Hello, this is Ben Payton, and you are listening to The Bill Podcast, brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com, mcgoldrickwatchrepairs.com, and Misty Moon Events. For over 60 hours of exclusive The Bill-related content, including reunion highlights, cast and crew commentaries, reaction videos, pilgrimage location videos, off-the-beat bonus podcasts, and much more, join the investigation from £2.49 a month at patreon.com forward slash the build podcast Happy New Year, everyone. It's 2023 and it's the Bill Podcast, episode 108. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com, mcgoldrickwatchrepairs.com and Misty Moon Events. The Bill Podcast has now been played over 300,000 times in more than 50 countries worldwide, which frankly blows my mind. And I'm so grateful to all of you for your continued support. 2023 is, I hope, going to be another great year for the Bill podcast and we'll see a new presenter as I pass the microphone over in the spring to a legend of the Bill, DS McAllister herself, the glorious Natalie Rolls will be your new The Bill podcast host and she's absolutely fantastic. Natalie started recording podcasts last year while I was working hard on finishing witness statements making the Bill 1988. And while I had my head buried in the 1980s, Natalie very kindly and skillfully began celebrating the noughties and recording interviews with her co-stars, beginning with the wonderful Beth Cordingly, a.k.a. PC Kerry Young. You've got a few more releases from me before then. And right now, of course, the third and final part of highlights from Misty Moon Events, The Bill Reunion 7, which took place on Saturday, November the 12th, 2022. My huge thanks to Stuart and Jen Morris for inviting me to co-host the evening and to Phil Clark and Graham Gertman, the technical wizards at the Cinema Museum, for not only skillfully organising the sound and lighting on the night, but also very kindly recording the Q&A so that we could share it with those of you who weren't able to attend. And it's the Q&A which takes centre stage in this finale. After a few final questions from me, the audience asked the legends some great questions. Highlights of those are presented here for you all to enjoy. And next time, it could be you sitting in the audience asking your heroes some questions and then meeting them afterwards and getting your memorabilia signed by them. Make sure you book tickets for the Bill Reunion 8. Details to come at the end of this podcast. In the meantime... Let's see in 2023 in a company of seven Sunhill legends as I begin by asking them about some of their favourite guest stars. In this last week, a fantastic icon of, of acting, Leslie Phillips, passed away. And, and Leslie was one of the guest stars of the book. Lisa, you had a lovely episode working with Leslie Phillips. Oh, I, d- I did. And it was me and Jeff. So you can imagine, Jeff loved Leslie Phillips. This was like all his dreams come true. Because Jeff would love to be in a carry-on movie, wouldn't he? So in walks the person he wants to be. So I remember we I was brought on to set and we were in custody. And Leslie Phillips was already there. And we knew he was coming. So obviously we're really excited. It's Leslie Phillips. So we walk on set and... Um, 
one of the runners has said, you know, Leslie, this is Lisa. She'll be, she plays Polly Page and this is, and he, the whole crew was silent. It was really just quiet. And he just went, turn over, Miss Page. <laughs> and we all just <laughs> fell about, like he delivered what we really wanted him to say. Well, that was it for Jeff. That was it. He never left Leslie's side. I think they became great mates afterwards. I think he used to go visit him and everything. Oh, he, it was hysterical. So it was like having two Jeffs on set, really. It was like, oh, my God, I can't look. The Bill, I mean, I think Eric has said over the years, how many thousands of actors, you know, the Bill employed and gave opportunities to. Who were some of the, the actors you enjoyed working with who came into the Bill, some of, some of the guest actors? I know, on the as you walked down to where all the dressing rooms where there was all these pictures up on the wall when I got there and there was like Lily Savage, Paul O'Grady was up there there was photos of all these different people and I know when I was there I thought I never really get to work with anyone it's always other people who get to work with the big famous guest artists and then one day I got really overexcited about uh, Phil Cornwall, do you remember him off um, Dead Ringers, that's it and I heard he was coming in to play uh, Simon Pellow uh, oh, Shane Pellow, that's it, Shane Pellow and when I saw this in the script and thought, oh, he's amazing. And me and him, I've got a bit of a um, theme. All we did was laugh. And doing scenes together was horrendous. He does impressions and he constantly did these impressions. So impressive. So I used to have me floored all the time. Didn't get much work done at the bill. Burke what? I had a scene with Burke Quart and I couldn't just, couldn't stop thinking. And I thought, don't say it, don't say it. But I thought, gosh... You know, people with CVs longer than both my arms put together, and I'm doing scenes with them, and that's what I found incredible about the bill. It attracted such talent, mm. Mm. Uh, and I got to work with that, which is amazing. Kenneth Colling, who uh, who did the uh, episode you um, showed me, I, I remember I looked at that recently, and uh, we had Roger Daltrey in the building yes. at one yes. point, yeah. which I, I just my head span. I wow. couldn't believe mm. it. Yeah, I, I remember Roger Daltrey. I don't think I had much to do with him, but I thought, seeing, I was a mad fan of The Who, and I'd seen them at least three times when I was younger. And I thought, I'm not going to mention it, because I bet everybody does that. I'm not going to say anything. So I was, well, by the end of the week, I, I said to him, it's been really nice to work with you, and I just want to say that I'm a really huge fan of The Who. And he said, Oh, I thought you hated me. You've been so standoffish all week. <laughs> I haven't said anything. And he said, oh, I could have. You know, I would love to have talked to you about the who. And then there, it just goes to show you I should have said something. But. Well, Roger Daltrey, I was standing at the coffee point, and it was sort of the hub of all the gossip, and I remember I was always there. And um, I'm pouring myself a, a cup of tea, and Billy Murray walked down towards me, and he went, Suze, and I, I, I wasn't looking, yeah, have you met Roger? And as I look up, he's like there. <laughs> and I just saw his eyes and immediately recognised him as Roger Daltrey, but I just made a show of myself. It was one of them. I looked and went, oh, and then tried to style it out. And I was like, I'm a big fan of yours. So I think I did all that for you, Trudy. Cringe. The opposite of what you did. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the incident because it's the reverse of what we're saying. Is Trudy and I did a BBC kids program one morning I don't know what it would have been called Do you remember we went over to BBC and we went on this kids show in the morning and as we walked around there were the two rock stars Rossi and of the band Parfit and Rossi and Trudy said to me look there's Rossi and Parfit well we come onto the set and we do our gig and we come off they're waiting for us wow. Rossi and Parfit are waiting 
för för han sa åt dig. Because you don't think the point I'm making about that is obvious, mm. isn't it? Is yeah. that you blessed people are in this room tonight because of what we did when we went to work, and I'm a working bloke. Yeah. You know, I said about my background, I'm a working bloke. I go to work, and my going to work includes this yeah. or two rock stars going, wow. <laughs> you can't not do that. In terms of the ones that I think of, I don't. I don't think of the great names in a strange way. I think of the. Again, it's this working thing. Pat Hayes, for instance. Anyone remember the great yes. Pat Hayes? I go into work one day, and as you always do as an actor, you look at the call sheet. Oh, oh, Pat Hayes. So I go in. Pat Hayes is then in her eighties. She sat on a chair here. I sat opposite her. We introduced, and we, and she said, uh, "Before I start, do you mind if I check my lines?" Oh. Oh. That she should ask yeah. me. Oh. And that night, she was doing the nurse in Three Sisters at the Royal Court. Wow! Now that is the degree of actor we were getting, but everyone was doing it. Way back at the beginning of the show, we were still in in Artichoke Hill, and there was a lass had come on. And she had been told in character that her baby had been killed. I was on the other side of a glass door, and she wasn't being the character wasn't being allowed in. This woman's performance through a glass was extraordinary. Mm. Mm. Because anyone who turned up on the bill, you ain't going to do it half cock. Mm. You know this is a proper show. This train is moving at 100 miles an hour. You better jump on and take part and enjoy it. And that's the memory I have: is all those wonderful actors yeah, that came yeah, to work with us. Uh, one was called Robert Putt, who you worked oh, with many moons yes, ago. Yes, dear Robert. Yes, I, I, I've interviewed Robert for the new witness statements book, and he came in, and he was feeling quite nervous because the bill was, you know, a big show, and uh, he he was being interviewed by Tony Scannell, and he, Tony was filming like four episodes all at once, and he, very nice, but he was just sat there waiting, and the crew were setting up. And Bob recalls that you popped your head around the door and said, "Watch him, he's bloody good," <laughs> and it completely settled him and made him feel like part of a family. You know, uh, we're going to open up to the the audience uh, very shortly. One final question for you all: the bill, obviously, whether it's going on talk shows or going to showbiz parties, you know, meeting rock stars. For you all, what was the kind of like amazing moment, the spin-off moment that the the bill gave you? Did you ever? Maybe it's some of your motorbike racing, Eric. Like, you know, did you ever get to meet any? In the same way, these guys are so excited about meeting their heroes tonight. Did the bill allow you to meet anyone well, you really admired? Or? Uh, because, as I said about my background, if I see an opportunity, and I don't mean it in any illegal way, I think, oh, let's make use of this, and that's how I came up to this job. Well, when the bill happened, I knew what would happen next, and this is because of working with Nicky Henson, and it had come to him. I thought they're going to spot Sergeant Cryer. They're going to spot Eric Richard. Someone is going to tell them he rides a motorbike. Someone is going to make money out of that, and the someone is going to be Eric Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Because the Eric Richard went to. I, went, I tried to work with the, the British companies, but they were in a parlous state. So I went to Honda. And 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 this is a shared thing because it's part of the same story, and I'm sure you'll love it. Is what we are allowed to do because we reach somewhere in our career. I contacted Wish You Were Here, 
which was a Thames programme at the same time. And I said, you never have anybody on a motorbike on your programme. Went to meet Chris, Tina and I, we did a Wish You Were Here in Scotland, and then I did a second one in Los Angeles. <coughs> By that time, I was, in a sense, representing Honda, which meant, now here's the passion, I was backstage at all the Grand Prix in this country, wow. including the Isle of Man. And for those of you that might be motorcyclists, on one moment in my life, I was going down through Balagura on my MV Augusta, and in front of me was Phil Reed, who's just died, sadly, multi-time world champion, and behind me, Jim Redman, also on an MV, multi-time. I mean, you can't buy that, can you? Can you imagine? I've got a spin-off um, because I was on the bill. I, being a footballer when I was younger, uh, played for a, a team called the TV Entertainers 11. We went to some place out in the country, and on the pitch that day was a chap called Jenkins who played for Watford, another chap called Colin Viljone who um, played for Ipswich, uh, eventually Chelsea, uh, the team I support, and, and Peter Osgood, my uh, childhood hero. And I marked him. I was the person that played against him. And he tried to do nutmegs against me. <laughs> Slip the ball between my legs. Slip the ball between your legs and run round. And he never managed it. And I was just in my element. I'd stopped my boyhood hero from, <laughs> from beating me. And then Colin Viljone afterwards came over and shook my hand and said, well played. And I was just, I was in heaven. And that's a spin-off from the bill. Yeah. Sorry, a very quick one because it's football. I'm an Arsenal fan and we have to get that in. And it's all bad luck. However, at that time, a very prominent publisher in the music business took me as his guest to Wembley. Arsenal were playing their European games at Wembley Stadium. So we, we, he teased me and said, we haven't got a very good seat. We're two seats behind where the Queen sits when she's there. That's how good the seat is. Wow. We come off at half time to have a cup of tea and a sandwich. I'm sitting with Lady Bracewell Smith Whoa. having a sandwich and we're chatting. But here's the line. In walks Ian Wright, clocks me and just goes zip <laughs> to Eric Richard with his hand out. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. You can't, can you? No. <laughs> My one's a football one as well. Uh, now, I'm a scouser, obviously. No. I am, I am. You would never know, would you? My family are all West Ham. Come on, you owns. I got to do Kilimanjaro uh, because of the bill climbing that and Everest and that was done for the Bobby Moore Fund and also my, um, did I run the marathon for them? Yeah, that was for the Bobby Moore Fund. So, um, I got to meet Stephanie Moore, got to know her quite well. So my kids now are just like, mum's a legend because she knows Bobby Moore's wife. Oh. Yes, I do. <laughs> so that, that's mine. Mine was a building, really, rather than a person. When I left the bill, I, uh, Hugh Higginson, who I shared a dressing room with for a long time, he organised uh, a tour around Australia of a play called Lone Star. And part of that tour was a three-week stint at the Sydney Opera House. Wow. And I just had to pinch myself every day. We were staying in an apartment, walking through Woolloomooloo Gardens with fruit bats, the size of Dracula, hanging out of the trees. And I was going to a studio in this Sydney Opera House, and I thought, this is the bill made this possible. This is yeah. Yeah. this is what's happening. And uh, that was a real high point 
Yeah. For me, I must say. Yeah. And that, and it bought me a flat. <laughs> that I can now afford to live in. Thank you very much. And uh, I thank the Ville very much for that every single day of my life. <clears throat> Okie dokie, who has some questions? I will, I will pop around with the microphone. Got a question over there. Mr. Rob Cook in the house. Hello, Rob. A uh, question for everyone on the panel. Um, is there a role or a production that you've been involved in that you're really proud of or fond of? And why? There's a, not, uh, there's a non-bill one. I'll start just quickly. I got to work with Ken Loach in a film called Land and Freedom. I was only 19. I'd just done my first film with Alan Bleasdale. Again, I auditioned hungover uh, on a Friday morning um, and the camera broke down on my my turn of, of auditioning. So I got called back and it was casted by Hubbard's um, and I get, kept getting called back and I got whittled down from 800 from, to me getting the part. So I was like blessed. Um, and from that... The, the continuity lady who worked on the Alan Bleasdale film Blood on the Dole knew somebody who was working with uh, Ken Loach. So I got brought in. I went back to college and was doing my A-levels. And I got brought in. My mum phoned up my tutor because I was in college and said, um, somebody's been on the phone uh, look, asking for you, Bill Roach. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why is, why is Ken Barlow ringing me back? <laughs> So as I'm going, Bill Roach, filmmaker, my, my tutor's going, it's Ke- ask if it's Ken Loach, it's Ken Loach, it's Ken Loach, that's the name. Anyway, I got brought in and, and auditioned that afternoon and got the part with Ken. So I worked with him for about two weeks in Liverpool, mega proud of that, but I didn't even know who Ken Loach was, what the Cannes Film Festival was, and we won uh, Best International Film there in 96, and I didn't go. So, you know, when you think, I wish I could do it all again now, knowing what I know now, because it'd be a completely different story. But yeah, that would definitely be mine. I think a job that I really loved and enjoyed and I'm proud of was I did a series called Big Deal for the BBC. And we did three series of it. And it was all on film. And it was all on location. And it was um, Ray Brooks was the star of this and he just was such a nice nice man and my nanny mariah that lived in belfast because you know i'd got this job i didn't really understand like you're saying the enormity really of it just thought oh yes another job you know and i remember my nanny in belfast saying oh that wee fella (laughs) and she was just over the moon because he'd done kathy come home which obviously for my nan was her era and she just, and I remember thinking then, oh, he, this Ray must be really important. You know, I worked with him for ages and I thought, this really nice guy, my nan. Well, anyway, I went into work the next day and I told him and he'd actually fished out an old videotape of Kathy Come Home and give it to me so I could send it to my nan in Belfast with a little note. Oh, oh and it was really, really sweet. She was just over the moon. Suddenly I was like, you know, in the good books of the <laughs> grandchildren. Yeah. Tom? Uh, I must say, actually, the the thing that I've enjoyed most is the last theatre tour I did of playing Inspector Craddock, uh, especially going out again after lockdown, after it looked like we were the, the first bunch of people to shut down because theatre is notoriously where people go to cough. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so we were the last ones to get up and running again. But I remember being in Yeovil, 
which wasn't, it's a strange town, it seems to be two towns in one, there's a sort of nice bits and some kind of strange bits that aren't as nice as the nice bits, but I was in a, a Joe's cafe having some chips and an egg and there was a girl from Ipanema on, on the, being played and the high street was a bit drizzly and rain, but I thought, you know, I'm living the dream, I'm doing what I want to do and it's 30 odd years on from leaving drama school and I'm still doing it. And tonight, I get to go into a theatre and go on the stage and tell the story. Yeah, that, that's, I, I, especially after lockdown, you, you really, I did find myself appreciating a lot more uh, where I was in my life and, and how much fun it actually was to be doing and to still be enjoying it after uh, 20, 30 odd years. Well, they were so lucky to have you in the production as well. Tony? After I left the bill, I only did it for two years, and it, I wish it was longer, but it was two years. And uh, I went to a show called Perfect Scoundrels uh, with Peter Bowles in, and um, we had a guest star, Sir John Mills. Wow. Um, and honestly, a legend to me. I don't know. About him. And um, I had to meet him in a, a, a hotel in, in Maidstone, and I was late. I was like 20 minutes late for John Mills, and I thought, that's just unforgivable. And I went in, I said, I'm very, very, very sorry. He said, no, mate, don't worry. Um, because the chairman of Lloyd's Bank was next door doing an AGM and came in and said, would you do the next speech for us? So he did the speech, and he got a huge amount of money, he said. <laughs> uh, roles that I've played. Uh, I, I, I've been really, really fortunate. I've played God. <laughs> the Devil, Hamlet three times, and Shylock. And all in venues that Eric was talking about. And I have been blessed to have been able to, to do those roles because that is what I, as a, an actor, went into this industry for, to actually take on roles that challenged me and that I felt would push push me as an actor all the time. So it's any one or all of those, really. God, the devil, Hamlet, and Shylock. <laughs> well, I, I started with God's voice. <laughs> but that's the nearest I got to deity, just the, just the voice. No, I don't have a single one. I think, I think parallel to Ashley, I, I'm just grateful that my career was full of productions that I loved being in, whether they were famous ones, ordinary ones. There was a period in the late 70s, early 80s, I did a series of very political plays about the situation in southern Africa, which was exciting the British a great deal. We were banned from going to South Africa. I did a play about South Africa, Angola, Zimbabwe, two, two about Zimbabwe, in fact. And the reaction to, to light up an audience politically and theatrically is immense. And they, it stands alongside everything else I've done. Because we talked to football only back in 17, I think it was. I played Jimmy Cyril, Notts County's manager, about the history of Notts County in the 70s. And they beat man, etc. I would come off and go into the bar at the Nottingham Playhouse and I'm going to point at you, there'd be men of your physique with Notts County shirts on crying because they'd seen Jimmy Cyril on stage. I mean, what can you do with that? Isn't that extraordinary? So 
like Ashley, blessed. I think probably one of my happiest times, apart from the bill, which goes without saying, which I absolutely loved. But before that, I was in rep. It was one of my first jobs, and I was in repertory theatre in Leicester, doing a massive variety of roles, doing Shakespeare and well, old musicals and kids' shows and you name it. And I did a show called Loot by Joe Walton. It was a great part. And they called in an actor from the Crucible Theatre in Sheffield to play one of the other parts, one of the boys in it, one of the rough boys in it. And the minute he walked into the green room, I thought, I like that man. I, yeah. And he's now my husband. <laughs> and uh, we had an absolute ball uh, from that show onwards. And I think... I will never forget that, and that was probably the happiest time of my life, anyway. And it was a great and a great part, lots of great parts. So, yeah. and Trudy, you did that fantastic series Fox, didn't you? Yes, well, and you were in that as well. well. Only, yeah, I was yeah. like. But yeah, first part ever. But you were Larry Lamb and you. Yeah, and, oh, and Mark, was... Mark Wingett was in it oh, I didn't as well. Mark was in it. Yeah, oh, and Ray brilliant. Winston. Yes, it was such a good series. That was a good series, but. Yeah, it didn't have the same impact on me as no, doing... Yeah. Obviously yeah. not. No. No, yeah. <laughs> Kit comes into the... Yeah, he yeah. comes into the... Kit wasn't in that. No, he wasn't in that, no. <laughs> Great question, Rob. Thank you very much. I've got some more back here. I shall run on down. Hello, my name's Tim. There was an episode I watched of the Beer One Drama this week where Cass Rickman was running towards the underground and I noticed the name was covered. And, then I, and also I was wondering what underground was that like which london undergrounds did you use in some scenes of the bill and how did you manage to cover them up did you have to ask permission from like the government or london mayor i'm not sure about the legality of it but i do remember running towards a station and, and i was really made up because it was actually i lived in rains park which is just by wimbledon and i got to film in rains park station and i think it might have been there but I was loving it because um, nobody used to really recognise me till I opened my mouth. Um, and it's just like that now. And I think it was all the shop owners come out and were looking and then I'd sort of lord it in there later like, oh yeah. So I was all well in with everyone then. But no, I don't know the legality of it though, do you? Sometimes it depends. If you're on London Underground, they get quite picky about these things. You have to get permission. And sometimes they might say, we don't want that identified. So, you know, with all these locations, and we had fantastic location managers, actually, but you had to get permission. You know, some directors would want to do something you haven't got permission for, and you're always on dodgy ground, I have to tell you. A brief observation is that when you're on location a lot, with a show such as The Bill, sometimes local residents get enough of it because you're saying, oh, this area is a rough house. Could well be that the station manager is saying the same thing. This is where the drug addicts hang out at Rains Park, might not it? Thank you very much. For Lisa, what would you prefer, Desmond's or The Bill? Oh, How could you ask that question? <laughs> How very dare you? Listen, I love Desmond's. Desmond's was just brilliant. It was great. It was fantastic. Everything about Desmond's was great. It was filmed around the corner. You didn't have to go far. We laughed. It was in front of a studio audience, which was hysterical. But I loved the bill. I loved the bill. When I went to the bill, they were still doing Desmond's. And Michael Chapman said... You can't go back to do Desmond's. 
because Michael Chapman wanted everybody to think we were real police officers. <laughs> Sadly, I couldn't do the last series of Desmond's. I was hoping that I'd be able to do both, but I couldn't. And, you know, the bill, I'd like dreamed of being on the bill. I really wanted to be in the bill. I just loved the whole thing about it. I loved the idea of being a copper, being a cockney, being young in the bill. So there was, I hate to say that, and I've never had to say it before, thanks. <laughs> but I love the bill. That's the right answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who would like to ask a question, Lee? Over here, I'm on my way. Here we go. Do my Noel Edmonds bit. Here we are. To you, Suzanne. When you played, um, did your scenes with um, Pat Kitson, um, as your character, were there um, any moments where, like, as your character felt really uneasy, and the way you, you sort of like would, yeah, and was able to pick up that there was something not quite right or quite spooky because they were, I really enjoyed those. I'm glad you did. I enjoyed filming those scenes very much. She was a lovely actress. I can't actually remember her name. It was a long Alexandra time ago. Gilbreth. Ah. Thank you. She was really lovely and we got on very well. And obviously I'd read in the script what was about to happen. Um, and I remember saying to her, there's no finer lady I'd like to take my life than you. Um, but the scenes were really uncomfortable. I didn't, I, although I enjoyed doing it, it was very challenging. Just putting the wig on was, was uh, a big fate. In the, in the morning, I had to have a bald cap put on and then I've got like loads of mad curly hair. Uh, that was then attached to that because she cut it all off, didn't she? Um, so that was makeup for hours and hours. And, um, I always remember when it aired, my dad, uh, actually thinking they'd cut my hair off. <laughs> Bless him. Um, and I said, no, you know, it was this bald cap, but it was, I loved doing those scenes, being strangulated on a uh, <laughs> bit, bit challenging, but I, you know, what a way to go. I was very lucky to be given such a massive out, you know, the Sunhill serial killer was a massive, massive storyline. Sadly, it meant that I had to leave all my pals behind, but um, it was the right time. But yeah, thank you for the question. Another question? Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, Tru well, this is uh, Trudy and Lee Lisa. Hello. Is it, do you, you, you might not remember me, but I'm Luke. I was an extra in the bill, uh, in 2000. I was, um, I was an extra on an episode. So uh, it was really, really great to be part of it with you. I just wanted to thank you for, um, it's really great to see you here again today. Um, oh, thanks very much, Luke. Thank you. That's lovely. You should have been on, up on the stage, Luke. Uh, I'll just run over here. Claire Norbury, thank you very much. Hello, this is for Eric, really, and anyone else who perhaps didn't go into acting from childhood. How much of a difference do you think it made having that life experience? What difference did it make to the way you approached your roles? Well, the, the bottom line, and my fellow actors will agree with me, I think, is there is no way of doing it. It's not like playing the piano. If you hit that note, it will always be middle C. Each actor has their own route, and they find their own way to that. I think in my case, and all the jobs that I did up until the time I decided to become an actor, 
certainly loaded me up with life experience and I'm a very working person. I like I can't be doing with sitting around talking about acting too much. You get on your feet and do it. It's, it, it is the ultimate active verb to act. Uh, and I think it suited this little boy from Brixton that he wanted to do things. He wanted to get up and be on his feet and doing it. So I think it must have had a, a, a huge impact on me. And if discussing it recently, the episode where Cryer killed someone, shot someone, I was asked about the playing of that. Well, that's because I don't know what it's like to kill people. I don't know what it's like to play with guns because I don't get guns at all. But I know what it means to go to work. And that bloke went to work that day and going to work meant he had to pull a gun and pull the trigger. And it's just a work. It's a job. So I think, yeah, it did. But thank you for noticing that. Bless you. Could I just say something? Because all these actors, it, there wasn't any rehearsal. No. There was no rehearsal. So they, you know, you got the script, didn't you? And then you turned up and did the scene. You know, it was very quick. And that's it. And, and the timings of the scenes, you had to do it in so many, you know, half an hour or something. You couldn't mess about. Mm -hmm. So maybe that gave it some kind of impetus, maybe. The, and as a, as a child, I always wanted to be an actor, but the sort of, the, you know, as a father, as a fisherman and a, and a housewife mum, it was seen as a bit like, oh, you know, get to the real world. Um, so it was never taken seriously. And now I'm a mum, I don't want to be like that with my kids. I mean, I got there, I proved them wrong, I bloody did it. But for my children, I've said to them, whatever you want to do, you can do. What, if it makes you happy, you go and do it. I haven't got sort of, you know, I don't push my kids to be this and be that. Do what you want to do and we'll, we'll support that as much as possible. But I think um, growing up and not training and then, you know, falling into acting, I absolutely loved it and I... Every job I got, I thank the God. Every opportunity that that's led in my life, I've I've just always been thankful. Hopefully, I was never one of those actors who you know could get a little bit like whingy. And uh, I, I've always tried to be accepting, accepting, and, and and thankful. That's probably the main word. But now that I don't do it anymore, I still do voiceovers. I've got something in me that I still do want to do it very, very much. It's what I am, it's who I am, and I don't think that'll ever change. But I just, whatever it is, I've had an agent, <clears throat> excuse me, since, and I just can't get the foot in the door anywhere uh, with any sort of TV auditions. I don't get anything. Uh, for the past sort of three or four years, I've had different agents, and I, I've had probably two auditions in that time. So people say to me, you're a legend, you're amazing. But it makes you doubt yourself. Um, and I think that's why I'm doing this show now, to prove I can still do it, and I can. Um, and to show people I can sing. You know, if I'm supporting Elvis Costello and getting down to the last five people for Mamma Mia, there's something there. But again, you know, it's the self-doubt. I've just got to kick that and get on with it. You were definitely, definitely not a windy actress, was she? I mean, when Suzanne came, she was like a breath of fresh air, wasn't she? She was funny, she was enthusiastic, and it rubbed off on us when you came in, you and the others that were young, well, the young lot. You know what I mean? It gave us that extra bit of enthusiasm, because you brought with it, you know, this whole like, oh, I'm really glad to be here. It made us rethink, like, oh, yeah, this is great. That's really yeah, you're lovely. That's, thank you very much. Amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a hard job, and I, I feel the same as you. You know, it's really easy to lose your confidence once you're once you're not working. I'm, it's a bit different for me because I'm older and 
I'm not so bothered about it as I used to be. But you are such a good actress. It is ridiculous that you're not working. But whatever um, it is, Trudy, it, I'm really. not. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it, it does it does make you doubt why. You know, there's, there's a reason why. And I think what it is is I've got two little boys. If I don't want to do, I, I hear about tours and I think, wow, that must be amazing. Yeah. I don't want to leave my kids. My role now is mum mm. and, and to support what they want to do with their life. And maybe my time has passed. But I'll do the show. No, it'll come back. Uh, it'll yeah, be, they so. get a bit older and you'll yeah. be out there I again. Hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Thank uh, you. The, the birthday boy, David Forbes. It's our, our last question we've got time for. Uh, so over to you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we've all obviously got our favourite episodes, favourite characters. We've grew up with the show. Me, personally, it's one of my favourite all-time TV programmes. And even though it's been axed a long time ago, it's still a highlight of the TV schedules and the reruns. You've all, the entire cast, those sadly gone and those that are here still, you've made TV drama that we will continue to speak about for generations. And I just want to say, without getting too emotional, thank you so much for making the bill. Thank, thank you. you. Happy thank birthday. You. Yeah, happy birthday. Knockout, David. Knockout. John Bruce, the director. John Bruce. As a working director. <laughs> in everything I've done, especially all the bills that I've done, I can honestly say there was never a day when I didn't say, my God, this is the most wonderful job in the whole world. And what's more, I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> John Bruce, ladies and gents. Well, John, if you can, John, because we're going to just, just take our sort of final bow. I think you need to be up here, sir. We'll all stand and take a little, uh, a little picture all together. We're going to be doing the signing shortly. Thank you all so much for asking your questions. You can obviously meet and chat to the legends while you're doing the signing. Just to finish, though, if everyone could just stand up, please. Make some noise for the legends of the bill, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> legends. My huge thanks, as always, to Stuart and Jen Morris of Misty Moon Events, to Phil Clark and Graham Gertner of the Cinema Museum, plus both Martin Rudman and Andrew Ruff for their support on the evening. And of course, our huge gratitude to the Legends of the Bill and our very appreciative audience. Tickets for The Bill Reunion 8 can be purchased from cinemamuseum.org.uk. The headline guest will be PC Tony Stamp himself, the legendary Graham Cole OBE. And the reunion will be taking place on Saturday the 15th of April 2023 at the Cinema Museum in London. The closest tube station is Kennington. But before then, you've got Suzanne Maddock from Liverpool to London via the rest of the world to enjoy, which will be taking place on Saturday 29th of January at the Phoenix Arts Club, which is between Tottenham Court Road and Leicester Square Tube Stations. Tickets for Suzanne Maddock from Liverpool to London via the rest of the world can be purchased from phoenixartsclub.com. 
Com. Over half of these tickets have already gone, so don't miss out on what will be a very special show. My huge thanks to our bonus guest on the evening of the 12th of November, the director Mr John Bruce, and to our all-star lineup of the Bill Reunion 7. Suzanne Maddock, Lisa Gagan, Tom Butcher, Tony Virgo, Ashley Gunstock, our guest of honour Mr Eric Richard, and our surprise special guest, the dame herself, Trudy Goodwin. Now, if you'd like to hear more from all seven of those legends who took part in Misty Moon Events for Bill Reunion 7, then do check out the Bill Podcast Patreon channel, where all seven of those legends have recorded episode commentaries. Suzanne Maddock has recorded a commentary for Blowing It All Away with the writer of that episode, Candy Denman. Lisa Gagan has recorded a two-part commentary for The Quinnan Story with Andrew Paul himself. Tom Butcher has recorded a two-part commentary for The Chase alongside stunt coordinator Nick Gillard, script editor Tim Vaughan, director Stuart Urban and producer Tony Virgo, who has also recorded commentaries for Trojan Horse and Taken on Trust, plus a two-part special for Blue Murder alongside the writer Russell Lewis, director Stuart Urban and our guest of honour Mr Eric Richard. Ashley Gunstock has recorded commentaries for The Quick and the Dead and Homes and Gardens, alongside writer Christopher Russell and script editor Tim Vaughan. Both of those men were alongside the dame Trudy Goodwin to discuss the episode one-to-one, where they were also joined by the director of that episode, Jan Sargent, and guest star Arabella Weir. Trudy has also recorded a commentary for The Coop, with writer Gary Lyons and fellow legends Colin Blumenau, a.k.a. Taffy Edwards, and Larry Dan, a.k.a. Sergeant Alec Peters. There's over 65 of those cast and crew commentaries available on Patreon, plus a series of exclusive off-the-beat podcasts with writers and members of the production team talking about their wider television careers on some other iconic programmes, Plus is video versions of upcoming The Bill podcasts, including a trilogy presented by DS McAllister herself, as Natalie Rolls interviews fellow legend Beth Cordingly, a.k.a. PC Kerry Young. There's also pilgrimage location videos, highlights from the three Misty Moon Zoom reunions that took place during lockdown, and over 100 reaction and analysis videos as I dive in and discuss many episodes of The Bill with the Patreon community. If you are able to support, and I appreciate not everyone can, there's over 70 hours of content to unlock, and you can join from just £2.49. <sighs> well, how about that for a special episode to kick off 2023? Next up on The Bill podcast, we find out what happened to Sergeant Joseph Corey, as the wonderful actor Roland Oliver shares a rare interview from his time on The Bill, and he's got heaps of marvellous stories from his career as a whole. Soon you'll also be hearing from the owner of the most famous feat on the planet as Karen England shares her memories of working as a supporting artist on the bill and performing those famous end credit sequences. And there's plenty more that this humble historian would like to do to celebrate and document our favourite show. Uh, Those of you who have and continue to support the Bill Podcast Patreon channel make it possible for me to dedicate so much of my life to researching the Bill and celebrating the very talented cast and crew who brought it to life. So my huge thanks to all of you. My thanks to our sponsors, Stuart and Jen Morris, George Fairbrother and Simon McGoldrick. I'll pass you over now to one of the nicest and kindest men on the planet, Mr Ben Payton, to read our closing credits. Thanks again, 
and here's to a happy and healthy 2023. Hello, this is Ben Payton and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by Ben Adams, Sarah Kuyper, Alex Mockler, Laura Pinifay and Simon Wolfe. Executive produced by Ben Ashmore, Joseph Beaver, Daniel Christopher, Alana Dewar, Andrew Dyack, Paul Dunn, Dan Evans, George Fairbrother, Luke Hegarty, Edward Kellett, James Ledane, Simon McGoldrick, Lucy McNeil, Gary Moncur, Stuart and Jen Morris, Claire Norbury, Tom Sherrington, Angel Stannard, Patrick Stratford, Michael Weil and Sarah Went. Brought to you in association with georgefairbrother.com, mcgoldrickwatchrepairs.com and Misty Moon Events. For over 60 hours of exclusive The Bill related content, including reunion highlights, reaction videos, cast and crew commentaries, Bill Grimmage location videos, off the beat bonus podcasts and much more, join the investigation from £2.49 a month at patreon.com forward slash The Bill Podcast. 